This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. I want to start a new series today, a three-week series called No Excuse. No Excuse. We are entering into a season which all of us need to get some things done. We all want to look into the next few months as as we, and before we know it, it's going to be Thanksgiving and Christmas and 2009 will be gone. I hate to tell you that, but I mean, life is about to hit a rapid pace. And I know that the Lord wants you to be fruitful. The Lord wants you to be productive. You don't want to begin to evaluate 2009 in the next six, in six months from now and think, wow, I blew an opportunity. I didn't have any progress. But the sad fact is, is most of us, Instead of being productive and allowing God to do His full work in us, we just give excuses. We give excuses all the time. It's easier to make an excuse than it is to make an attempt. It's easier to make an excuse than to take a risk. It's easier to make an excuse than to own up. It's easier to make an excuse than it is to take a responsibility. But I believe in the next two or three weeks that God wants us to lay down our excuses and pick up His purposes, to pick up His dream. He has placed inside of you a dream. He has placed inside of you a vision. He has a call and a purpose for every single one of you. And your excuse will keep you from God's best. But through the power of the Word of God, I want to encourage you Put those excuses down and let's move forward. Today we're going to talk about no excuse to fear. No excuse to fear. Psalms 46, starting with verse 1, says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now look at these words in verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed... And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Look at the beginning of verse 2 again. Therefore, we will not fear. In the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's pray together. Lord, we want the truth of Your Word to sink down into our spirits. Lord, we want the truth of Your Word to guide us. We don't want to just be guided by our own experiences or our own wisdom. But Lord, we want the Scripture to guide us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that today we would shake off fear and let faith rise up in this room, Lord. Let faith rise up as we talk about You and Your Word and how great You are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Six billion people live on this planet. More than that now. Six billion people and the variety of people is truly amazing. There are hundreds of nations and several hundreds of people groups. There are different types of cultures. There are different pigments of skin. And in the midst of all those groupings, there are unique personalities. 
There are so many different people. In fact, every person is unique. We know now from science and biology that everyone has a unique DNA that is not matched by anyone else who's ever existed before. And every single person has their own fingerprint. We are unique in such a way, I don't think our minds can grasp how our Creator has made us unique But here's the one thing we all have in common. Every single person that is living on this planet, every single person who has ever lived before, we all have this in common. We all have fears. We all have fears. The person who says they have no fear is not telling the truth because every single one of us has some type of fear that we deal with on a regular basis. We fear the future. We fear, um, we fear whether or not we're going to get provision and we're going to have, meet the needs for our family and ourselves. We have all kinds of phobias. I, I started to look some up and have fun with that, but the truth is phobias aren't fun. You know, we can laugh at different types of phobias, but they're not a laughing matter because when a fear grips your heart, it paralyzes you. We're fearful of our mortality. You know, I do hospital calls frequently. It's just been part of my life the last 13 years. And, and whenever there's a surgery, and whenever there's a sickness, and whenever there's a hospital visit, this sense of mortality comes on us. We know that our life is a short span, but when you hear the doctor's diagnosis, and when you're facing a surgery, and when you're about to go under, our mortality hits us, and we realize we're not going to live forever. And even the boldest Christian still has that moment of fear. We, we fear eternity. And religion in America has specialized in sending people to hell instead of sending them to heaven. So many of us just live in fear of what eternity is going to bring. And yet, I read Psalms 46.1 or 46.2 that says, we will not fear. And I read 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. And I realized that there's a great disconnect between how we often live and how God's designed us to be as believers. What is fear? Everyone has fear. In its most simple definition, it's a distressing emotion. When you just get distressed, and it could be because imminent danger, it could be because of perceived danger, but it's just that feeling you get. We all have it. Where danger is near. Whether it's financial danger, whether we feel that our life's in harm, Fear comes in so many different forms. And, and today, we're, we're going to paint a very broad brush. As I even got into this, I'm sure in the future, we're just going to spend a few weeks on fear because it's such a relevant relevant uh, topic. But today, we're going we're gonna to paint a broad, take a, take a broad um, stroke at this and, and allow God to strengthen our faith. Though we will always have the emotions of fear, I want you to understand this. You are always going to encounter the emotions of fear. As believers, we should not fear as the world fears. We may feel temporary fear, but as believers in Jesus Christ, we will not dwell in fear. We might have a legitimate reason to fear, but as believers in Jesus, we don't have an excuse 
to stay in fear. In the Scriptures today, I want you to take notes on your bulletin and I want you to get these Scriptures and take your Bible and underline them because the next time an emotion of fear comes, the next time you have a legitimate reason to fear, the next time that you should be able to dwell in fear and and, and take up that excuse and say, I'm just afraid God is calling you to something different and you're going to see today that He is there with you in the middle of your greatest fear. Don't you want to overcome that feeling? Wouldn't it be great if you could live as an overcomer of those feelings of fear? Isn't it great to know that Jesus doesn't want us to operate in that spirit? He's not given us the spirit of fear. We can live free of that. On the back of your bulletin, there's a chance for you to follow three words, I'm going to follow along as I give you three words that's going to help us organize this thought today. First thing I want to talk to you is about your past, about our past. And the word I want you to write down is the word outlook. Why is it that as believers we should not fear? Why is it that we should live above and beyond this natural emotion that plagues our life? or this phobia that grabs our attention. The first thing I want to suggest is because we have a different outlook. One of the reasons we have no excuse to fear is because the outlook God has given us. Now, one of the worst ways to live is when every day you wake up and you're scared and fearful of the person you deal with. Hopefully that's not your spouse, but in some cases it is. But most of us, And many of you, no doubt, in this room right now, are scared of your boss every day. And and you encounter your boss, and there's just a sense of dread on your drive to work. And when you hear him or her come down the, the hallway, you just kind of sigh, and there's a fear over them. There's a fear about them because of the consequences they can bring to your life. Sometimes it's a legitimate fear, because... Obviously, our employers have a certain amount of control over our our destiny, but we know as believers, God has the ultimate control of our destiny. And the problem is, when we begin to fear a man or fear a woman, we are not truly being who God wants us to be. In fact, you've been in the situation, I have too, when I don't even talk like I normally talk when I encounter someone I'm afraid of. Fear, it, it like paralyzes the tongue. And the words don't flow. And and you don't even say things the right way. And the things we fear the most come upon us. We end up saying something awkward or we say something that we wish we hadn't. And this fear of man grips our heart. Can I encourage you that as a believer, you are not bound by the fear of man. As a believer, you do not have to fear those over you. You respect them. You work hard for them. You give them what is their due. But their position is not more powerful than God's position in your life. God is your provider. God is your promoter. God is the one that holds your destiny in your hand. And you don't have to fear the power of man when you operate in the power of God. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, says it clearly. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? 
but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your Father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now look at verse 31 of Matthew 10. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. If there's someone in your life that doesn't value you, and they treat you like dirt, and they don't give you respect, don't let the way they treat you affect who you are because you are valuable to God. You are respected by God. He's gifted you. He's called you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. So do not fear. Don't fear the power of man because the power of God is greater than the power of man in your life. In light of eternity, in light of the purposes of God, when we compare this life to the life God has for us, we have no reason to fear men. We shouldn't fear our employer. We shouldn't fear our creditors. We shouldn't fear the IRS. We shouldn't fear politicians. We shouldn't fear military dictators. We shouldn't fear terrorist groups. We should not fear man because we have a God who's powerful. We have a God who's mighty. We have a God who has put His purpose and destiny with us. So do not fear. Look at what Psalm uh, 118 says. Verse 5. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. I love this scripture, verse 6. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. Can I just read that again? Because I just think that is the sermon right there. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Why is it that we are gripped by fear? Why is it that we let people dominate our life? It's because we have the wrong outlook. We have to look to the Lord. Look to His strength. Look to His plan. Look to His purpose. Because God is for you. God has a plan for you. And you should not fear. Here's the truth. God does not want us to dwell on our past in the sense that God doesn't want us to dwell on on the aspects of of failure. He doesn't want us to dwell on our disappointments. He doesn't want us to dwell on our setbacks. God doesn't want us to dwell on the past sin that He's forgiven. But there is a part of us that needs to look back. There is a part of us that needs to look back. And we don't need to look back on our failures. And we don't need to look back on our sin. We need to look back at who He is and what He's done in our life. We need to look back and see what God can do. Psalms 27 says this, verse 1 through 3, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid, even if I'm attacked. And underline this phrase, if you like, I will remain confident. This this man who sang this song knew who God was and knew what God had done in, in the past, in his life. And when God calls us to remember the past, we're not to remember the negative things, we're to remember 
the greatness of what He's done in our life. You see, long before the printing press came out, and there was no written Bible, and there was no family bookstore or Lifeway to go and buy you a nice leather Bible, and there was no U version on your iPhone. Long before that, people remembered. And they would remember through stories. And they would remember through songs. And they would remember through pictures. And all through the Old Testament, every time the, the situation was impossible, and every time the people of God, their backs were pressed against the wall, they would begin to tell the stories. And they would begin to sing the songs. And they would begin to reflect back on what God had done. And they told the stories, and they sang the songs, and they reminded themselves of who God was until they weren't afraid anymore. Can I encourage you that when fear comes in your life, would you begin to remember? Would you begin to think about the Lord? Would you just walk down memory lane and and begin to remember the Bible stories, the sermons, the hand of God that's been in your life? Because when you begin to change your outlook... When you begin to change your perspective, then all of a sudden the fear begins to leave your life. When you begin to see how great God is, the fear in your life is not so great anymore. When we remember Him, we fear less. When we remember Him, we fear less. The same God who provided for Abraham is greater than your fears. The same God who brought the children of Israel across dry line, is, a dry, a dry ground is greater than your fears. The same God who brought down the walls of Jericho is greater than your fears. The same God who conquered the great army with Gideon's little ragtag army, He is greater than your fears. The same God who walked on water is greater than your fears. The same God who fed the 5,000 is greater than your fears. The same God who rose on the third day is greater than your fears. The same God who freed Paul and Silas from prison is greater than your fears. God is greater than your fears. The same God who healed Darlene Taylor is greater than your fears. The same God who raised $12,000 in this room in one Sunday for a well in Darfur is greater than your fears. You can walk through the nursery and I know the stories and through the journeys area. There's baby after baby that was not supposed to live, that was not to get, supposed to get out of NICU, but God healed them. There's a little kindergarten boy named Lincoln Allison who was not supposed to live, but he's alive today because God is greater than our fears. The same God that did it for Darlene, the same God who did it for Lincoln, the same God who did it for the children of Israel, He will do it for you. He's greater than your fears. So change your outlook. You are not to fear because God has done it in the past and He will do it for you. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. If He did it once before, He'll do it again in your life. If He moved in your life once before, He hasn't forgotten you now. So do not be afraid. Here's the second word. The second word is outsource. You know, God, He eliminates the fear in our life, not just because He's done something great in the past, It's because He's present in our now. God is in today. God is in the moment. God is in the fear. He is with you. He's abiding with you. God has not abandoned you. It's not that that He is just in our past. He is present when our fear is the greatest. Can I just be honest with you? You and I, we carry around more fear than we should. 
we carry around burdens of fear that God did not mean for us to carry. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. This is God speaking. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Now listen to what he says here. I will strengthen you. This is talking about the present tense. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you have fear in your life and when you want to use the excuse of fear, outsource it to God. Give the fear to Him. Get in His presence. Get in His Word. Get in church. Get in the place you should be because the presence of the Lord is available to be with you and strengthen you in your fear. God's not just waiting for the outcome. He's not waiting to come in at the end. He's with you now, he's an ever-present help in trouble. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says this, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the, the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Now, when the Scripture talks about the water many, many times, and in this reference, it's talking about the Spirit of God. Such trees, that's us, are not bothered by the heat, are worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. When we stay in the presence of God, when we're walking with the Lord, when we are at the place spiritually we need to be, He is with us and our our faith will be greater than our fears. Here's the last word I want to give you and it's talking about your future. And that's the word outcome. Outcome. Can I remind you that we are not a people who live for today. We are not a people who live for 2009. We live for eternity. It's not about this life. It's not about this month. It's not about this day. It's about a day that's coming. It's about a day that when we stand before the throne of God and He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now here's a great thing to know. That God has a plan. God has a purpose. Isaiah 44 says this, starting in verse 8. Let's start in verse 8. Isaiah 44, start in verse 8. It says, Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No. There is no other rock. No one. God said, I had a purpose from you from the beginning. You might be afraid today. You might be in the middle of a trial. You might be in the middle of a difficulty. But my purposes for you have not changed. My purposes for you have not changed. My plan for you has not changed. You see, one of the things we have is we have the advantage that we know the outcome. We're not in some kind of cosmic battle with the enemy in which the outcome is not known. We know that we have victory in Christ. The book of Revelation talks about what will happen. The book of Revelation is about what will take place. And Revelation chapter 12 reveals to us what we will see someday. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren, our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. That is Satan. Now look at verse 11. They overcame Him. Now are you catching that? It's talking about what will happen. It's talking about the outcome. It's talking about the future. They overcame Him. That's talking about us. 
That's talking about you and I. That's talking about what God has planned for us. They overcame Him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. God has made us victorious. Listen, you I know some of you are facing fears, fears that I don't understand, and you wonder about your future, and you wonder about what the outcome will be, and you wonder what's going to happen. And I can't give you a specific word for your situation, but I can give you the Word of God. And the Word of God says the outcome is good. You're going to overcome. You are victorious. You are victorious in Christ. And at the end, you will overcome the enemy, for they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony, and not loving their lives unto death. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.